This is a crowd podcast. A huge thank you to today's Patreon sponsor, Michelle Winkler-Gettings. So Michelle is always on our Patreon Zoom calls, which is fabulous. And she's actually in America. So when we have them, our time is actually lunchtime, her time. And she's always got a glass of wine and she's just <laughs> such a vibe. So thank, you. so thank you so much, Michelle. It really does make a huge difference to the show carrying on. And we love you so, like we genuinely love you so much. If you'd like to join our Patreon and help keep the show going, head to patreon.com forward slash go love yourself for more information. Membership starts from just £1 a week and you'll also get access to ad-free and early episodes. You can also support the show by subscribing on Apple Podcasts. The links to all of those will be in the episode description. Welcome to Go Love Yourself, the podcast where we're all trying to love ourselves a little bit more. Oh, hang on, I've lost the train of thought. What was I going to say? I'm so out of practice. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I've forgotten how to do this. We've not recorded in a while. <laughs> what was I saying? <laughs> well done, Laura. <laughs> Oh, Laura, we've got to catch up about the Apple event. Oh, my God. It was so surreal, wasn't it? We walked in. Um, for those of you who don't know, sorry for a bit of context. So Apple, we, we still think they've got the wrong podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but they, they've been loving us lately, haven't they? Like um, they've been pushing us. us on the spotlight. Uh, <laughs> and we basically just took over their flagship store in Covent Garden in London, which if you haven't been, is huge. And we walked in and our faces, our giant faces were on this <laughs> giant screen. And it was very overwhelming <laughs> um, and magical and yeah it was a great evening wasn't it it was it was so cool and it was it was very different to our live show for, to those that came and it was uh, more of an intimate chat more about kind of like behind the podcast so um, our lovely host Rebecca Judd was asking us questions and then we had our producer Fee on there to talk a little bit about podcasts in general and it was just a really lovely event and it was just so surreal I think I don't know if you found this mm. I f- like I was just sitting yeah. I remember sitting in the green room First of all, we were in a green room. What? <laughs> Eating Ben's cookies, Eating Ben's which cookies. Lauren has converted me onto. They are phenomenal. Oh, if you're ever in London, you need mate, to try them. would be fine with some sponsorship from Ben's cookies or hashtag gifted would be fine. <laughs> yeah, sitting in this green room, they gave me like a free bottle of water, right? It, t- it all, I honestly, Laura, I don't know if you know this, I almost <laughs> cried. I don't know what's wrong with me because I'm like, I've always what? been, well, I still do communications, Lauren, you swacking comms, like always behind the scenes. And now mm. this switch to not being behind the scenes is really strange for me. So me getting this bottle of water, I sat there and I was like, I am not meant to be here. The imposter syndrome was no. real, right? No, you mustn't have imposter syndrome. We are going to do an episode on we that, We are going to, because we've both got it. Lovely patrons, <laughs> Becky, suggested it. Yeah, well, we, I think all of us all of us struggle with it at some point. Yeah. But no, the live event was amazing. And I, I do get what you mean, like, not so much imposter syndrome with that, but just, wow, like, this insane, is incredible. And I think... Oh, well, hang on. I've lost my train of thought. What was I going to say? I'm so out of practice. Yeah. <laughs> no, I feel like I've forgotten how to do this. We've not recorded in a while. <laughs> we haven't recorded in a little what while. Because we've done some like bulk episodes, everyone. So we haven't recorded in a little while. And I've, I've been quite busy with my day job. And so we haven't... Quite busy. Yeah, we'll talk about See, it. I, yeah, I'm a bit out of touch, everyone. Sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> but no, Lauren's been crazy busy with work. Uh, and I've also had some really like weird and wonderful things on and going on. Mm-hmm. So Lauren, your big work thing is now done. How are you feeling? <sighs> so much better. So at the time of recording this, it happened like yesterday. I think when you've got something big going on in your life, whatever it is, it could be a wedding, it could be a work thing, it could be whatever. Your kind of body runs on a lot of adrenaline. And as soon as you mm. stop, then your body starts to shut down. <laughs> 
think that's what's happening. So I'm anticipating that probably tomorrow I'm going to start getting quite physically ill, which would be fun. But yeah, I feel a bit overwhelmed in this moment. Pleased that it's done. And I think I've learned an awful lot in like the last two, three months about stress and managing it and I think we might talk about it a bit more and I'll probably talk about it on social media a little bit more as well but I've got to find better ways to manage my stress and the way that I do that will be looking after myself of which I have not done if you're watching on YouTube currently you'll see me in my bedroom which is bedroom turned off it's dumping ground look there's a McDonald's I don't even know when that was from that McDonald's Diet Coke but I don't know when was that was that today was it four days ago I don't know so from today, we're looking after ourselves a little bit better to help manage stress. And I implore you all, if you're listening, to do the same. We are so excited about today's guest. It's someone that I have loved, admired and followed for a really long time. Today, we're going to be chatting all about their journey. You know, I hate that word, but we're going to use it today about their journey with mental health, their recent ADHD diagnosis and their fabulous podcast, which I was very lucky to be a guest on recently. Good influence. Very warm welcome to today's guest, Gemma Styles. Hello. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. I'm going to stop awkwardly like fiddling with my nails now while you talk about me. (laughs) Just sat here like, okay. Just be like, you're great. And you're just like, no. I'm like, well, that's fun. Thanks so much. (laughs) And we're in person as well today. So we actually get to meet you. And And what a treat. What What a treat. treat. I mean, yeah, Laura knows from us recording recently that I very much record at home in the most the most <laughs> relaxed in the surroundings position. possible. So yeah, this is, this is very much a treat. So our first question to you is a fun one because we've got a segment on our podcast that we call The Bag of Dicks. And essentially... <laughs> so classy. It's so classy here. Um, and essentially it came from Laura saying something in our first season about like, oh, they can go and eat a bag of dicks. You can take the, the girl out of crime end. <laughs> anyone's ever said. And it's essentially anything that we don't like, anyone that's pissed us off or just something terrible, we're going to stick in the bag of dicks. So Gemma, is there something you would like to put in the bag of dicks today? Okay, so the only thing that I can think of that I've recently got into like a heated, oh my God, I hate that so much about, was I was in an Uber last week and the Uber driver and I both saw someone in the car in front of us throw some rubbish out of their window and it got us on, We were, I mean... The pair of us. I clearly made a soul connection with the super driver because for like 20 minutes we were both just like, who? I don't understand how people can just be driving around or walking around and have rubbish in their hand and throw it on the floor. I don't understand it. It's gross. Put it in the bag of dicks. It's going in. It's in it's the bag of dicks. officially in. We approve. It's now officially uncalled to do I mean, that. I hope like, so. Like, Jesus. Like, yeah, like, so Jesus Christ, pick up your lid, you weirdo. I rarely find myself on the cool side of anything, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm here See, for I that. Dis- I hard disagree with that, Gemma, because I literally, was I not just saying to you earlier, I was like, I feel quite because she's just so this. cool. You are cool. Like, oh, you're oh just my God. Cool. Oh, you just don't know then. You just don't know. It's fine. Okay, we'll we'll see chat today and you'll be like ah no she's not it's fine <laughs> anyway we're digress. anyway sorry anyway yep sorry sorry, sorry. Okay. <laughs> litter's going in the bag of dicks and actually I mean I'm going to make a really smart sideline here into your kind of like role with like the whole activism you're very passionate about obviously environmental issues and mm-hmm. uh, mental health you're a big advocate for that we're going to talk a bit about your ADHD diagnosis in a bit mm-hmm. but can you tell us a little bit about your podcast Good Influence how it got started and what it's all about so You can talk about things a certain amount on social media and get a certain amount of feedback. You know, you can have a bit of conversation in a comment section, but it's not always necessarily the best kind of medium Mm. to have deeper conversations like that. And as I'm sure you're aware from literally what we're doing right now, like podcasting, I think, is just such 
a great platform for that and having the slightly deeper, maybe more nuanced kind of just longer form versions of these conversations. But also I know kind of what a privilege it is that I'm in the position to like have these conversations and connect with people because I've already got like the social media platform and everything. So really just like bringing those conversations to other people. Yeah, no, that's something that we've also considered as well. Like we we had a binge eating specialist on recently and an anxiety expert. And I think it's a privilege for us to be able to kind of have those people on and talk to us because we get like free therapy. It's free therapy. Oh, mate, it's great. But <laughs> yeah, for like for other people and for listeners as well, like I understand that it's not it's not it's not affordable or it's not accessible. There are mm. long waiting lists. Um, and we'll come on to that a bit with the ADHD diagnosis mm-hmm. because our podcast producer Fiam was saying there's like a three year waiting list for autism at the moment. Yeah, it is wild. Wow. I, I mean, wild. I wish that was surprising, but I'm not surprised, yeah. quite frankly, by that. It's 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 really, really hard, really hard. It is. And it's only got worse since the pandemic where other things and resources were taken away from those areas and put, you know, people were redeployed to other places. So the re- so you've seen these waiting lists go up and up and up and up across all ages as well. So, chil- mm-hmm. you know, the diagnosis for children is so long. Uh, you know, there's good things that are happening where you can sometimes get treatment before the diagnosis, but a diagnosis can sometimes really... It's like the light bulb in people's minds sometimes yeah. of getting that diagnosis. You know, you know, they know they've got these symptoms and sometimes it's that diagnosis. It's like, ah. Oh. Yeah, there really, really is a level of so much comfort in having a solid answer. Because mm. I think oftentimes and, you know, for a lot of women who are adults by the time they've even maybe heard of the possibility that, you know, They've probably seen something online and maybe connected with some symptoms and suddenly it is that kind of light bulb moment of, wait a second, does that kind of make sense for me? Like, I mean, mine was somebody else who had been talking about her diagnosis and I think she was in her also in her early 30s at the time and was talking about it on her Instagram stories and my best friend, Chloe, who who's, we've known each other since we were like five forwarded me these stories and was like um not to you know push anything on you but this really sounds like you because <laughs> I mean she is, is someone who knows me like is one of the people who knows me best in the world so mm. all of the things that or a lot of people maybe with undiagnosed ADHD will sort of keep to themselves and really struggle with she was one of the few people who I could kind of go to and be like oh I hate myself why am I like this? Why can't I do anything properly? Why can't I cope? I'm so sick of feeling like this. Like, why am I so useless? And that is kind of, I mean, that is such a like, like downer, like sentence of a thing to say. But that's like, that's how it feels a lot of the time. Mm. It's so hard to deal with. And it's so much harder to deal with when you don't know why. Mm. Like, that's the power of the diagnosis for me, because just knowing that you have something doesn't change the fact that you have it necessarily. But knowing what it is has the potential to change your relationship with yourself and the way that you speak to yourself about it, if that yeah. makes sense. Like, rather than say, like, it's still frustrating, don't get me wrong. Like, some of my own behaviours and habits and all the rest of it mm. can still get annoyed by it. But rather than being like, why am I shit? It's like, this is shit, but... I understand why. Okay. Yeah. I understand what my brain is doing right now. I can identify it. Therefore, can I, you know, 
can I push through it? Can I be a bit kinder to myself about it? Mm. Like it, it has changed the conversation in my head a bit for me, at least. That's really good to hear. Do you mind us like talking us through like what the kind of traits are of ADHD and what kind of led you to getting a diagnosis? There's a lot that you talk about with ADHD and it's stuff like executive dysfunction. So kind of not being very good at organising things and getting things done. So mm. like a big one for me is keeping things like organised and clean and like my house is always chaos and a disaster. Like I find it really difficult to keep on top of things. I know everybody does this at some point, but things like, you know, I put a load of washing on, I've immediately forgotten that it's in there. Low self-esteem, to be honest, has always been something I've really struggled with. Really? And that was through, you know, when I'd spent however many years before kind of like talking to doctors and GPs and people about like anxiety and depression and other things that I've dealt with. That's always been a theme for me is like that mm. I just have like low self-esteem. It's, it's a fact that's that's how I operate at the moment. And yeah, the more you read into it, it just, it makes so much sense as to why, because you spend so long kind of struggling with things and not knowing why and making it feel like your fault. Mm. You know, attention deficit disorder, that can sometimes be a confusing title because it's kind of not even like you have a lack of attention all the time. It's kind of your attention operates in different patterns, I want to say. Right. So for some people, or this could be the same person, but at different times, sometimes I find it really hard to focus on stuff. Like I'm trying to work, find it really hard to concentrate on things. I'm, <laughs> I'm very sensitive to like, I find noises really distracting, like there's certain sensory things that I find mm. quite difficult, which then can present itself sometimes in other ways, like busy supermarkets. I've had like complete meltdowns in sometimes because I just find them so overwhelming. Yeah. There's just too much going on. But then the opposite can also be true. Like you can almost have too much attention sometimes. And that's when people start to talk about things like hyperfocus. And often, you know, it's like a pattern where people will suddenly decide that they've sort of discovered a hobby and they're like, this is going to be my whole life now. Mm. They like buy all the stuff to do it. They're like, oh, this this is everything. I'm obsessed with this. I'm going to do so much research on it. I'm going to do this, this, this and that. Mm. And then completely forget about it a week later and you've kind of like moved on to something else and your attention's like diverted itself somewhere else again. Aside from the kind of, you know, work-wise, actually productivity, getting things done, it's mainly been like how it's made me feel and how it's impacted my mental health that I think mm. has had the biggest amount of impact on me. And that's that's the thing where looking at that diagnosis, I was like, okay, that's the part that it's helping me make sense of. Right. Mm. It's really interesting some of these, the traits of ADHD, because I actually looked into it not long ago because I was like, I've got these traits and it's, it's stopping me functioning in my life, some of these things. And I don't have ADHD, I have something else, but it, some of the, some of those traits, everyone does it at some point, you know, like the washing yeah. machine. And for a lot of people, it can be quite difficult to ascertain where they where they sit. Are there any tips for that, or is it should we just speak to a doctor? I mean, it it is hard. Like I had so on an episode of Good Influence, I did an episode with Ellie Middleton, who uh, she has autism and ADHD, and got diagnosed when she was twenty four. Also got diagnosed as an adult, and we talked a lot in that episode about diagnosis and about self-diagnosis mm. because in an ideal world nobody would have to self-diagnose that's the thing mm. but as we've even just mentioned like yeah. 
when getting a diagnosis is kind of like gold dust and either has such a long wait attached or a price tag or both, mm. it's hard not to because when you think you've figured out the answer to something, that is so valuable. And it's also really hard to wait for and not take any action on and not have an answer to. As much as ideally no one would have to self-diagnose, if you're on a waiting list that's three years long and during that time you think you can find some tools that you know probably don't involve anything like, I don't know, medication because you need a diagnosis for that. So if you're finding apps that help you keep things organised or just ways that you're thinking to yourself and being like, okay, maybe that's why this is happening, therefore I won't be so mean to myself about it kind of thing. I don't think that kind of intervention is really doing anyone that much harm, if I can mm, say that. Yeah. I know that there will be instances where that's not true because making absolute statements is is always difficult. <laughs> I'm aware that you might be listening to this and thinking, well, actually, I've got an example of where that's yeah. not true, Gemma. Yeah, I, I, I do know that I can't say that for everyone, but like, I can almost guarantee anyone who is listening to this and has thought, like, I think maybe I've got ADHD, you will have done so much reading and research. Mm. It's such a misconception that somebody would watch three TikTok videos and think, oh, well, that's it. I've definitely got ADHD. Then. It just isn't how it works. Mm. I think it's quite patronising when people talk about mm. self-diagnosis as if, you know, you've absolutely got no leg to stand on because it really discounts the fact that getting a diagnosis is really hard. Yeah. And also, yeah, it's, it's just patronising that you think someone would do it that way and watch one video and yeah, think, would, yeah. think, oh, well, that's me then, that's that. yeah. yeah. There is what people describe it as like bandwagon jumping yeah. around ADHD because mm-hmm. that was something you were a bit wary of, weren't you, when you announced your... Yeah. Diagnosis at first. It's a funny one because I've spent so long talking about mental health on the internet mm. that this felt like something so different from that. And I think one reason is because ADHD is not a mental health condition. It's a complete it's a completely different thing. Yes, it can impact quite highly on your mental health, but it's it's a different thing. Mm. I think I felt that way because it is a neurodivergent condition. So yeah. as opposed to anything that I've talked about before or kind of been treated for before like depression anxiety the way we talk about those things is very much this is something that's happening to you right now like this is something you're suffering from right now whereas being diagnosed as neurodivergent is like well that is how your brain is it's always been that way and Mm. it's always going to be that way so that felt Mm. quite affronting Mm. as much as it was a comfort to get that diagnosis it was also like okay so that's me forever then it's not like you you know final isn't it yeah it's quite scary yeah it's quite it's definitely took me a while of kind of letting it sink in and like getting a bit more comfortable Mm. with it because i guess with you know things like anxiety and depression and you know both laura and i have experienced those they come in waves Mm. and so i think at any one time you know that you know this this too shall pass kind of like runs through your brain and you're gonna you're gonna feel better about it and and you're gonna feel you know hopefully lighter and, and fabulous mm-hmm. but when it's something like that for example it can like it's very personal it's it, it must have felt very like revealing to share it and also yeah like you said this is my brain it's not going to change that's one of the things that I was quite frustrated by when I got that diagnosis because all of the things that I was talking to the psychiatrist about in getting that diagnosis, it was all stuff or, you know, mostly stuff that I'd talked about previously to a GP, spoken about at length 
with a therapist. Oh, really? And it was and never nobody, up. no, nobody had ever said to me, that sounds like ADHD. That is so weird and feels frustrating. It is. And it's so frustrating. But it also weirdly makes sense because, you know, as I said, it isn't a mental health condition. Mm. So when you go to okay. a therapist, you know, anyone, a doctor, and you're going to them talking about, you know, this is how my mental health is feeling, they either might not be as informed as as they could be on ADHD or, you know, other kinds of conditions, or they're just not thinking about it in that moment maybe I think Mm -hmm. if you've not and I'm going to spew off into a whole other tangent like another thing about getting diagnosed and why we're kind of seeing particularly more adult women being diagnosed with ADHD it's harder to get that diagnosis because everything's based on young white boys right okay so all of the data and all of the symptom lists and everything that people kind of have for diagnosis and like criteria and the kind of a lot a lot of the medical things yeah, yeah. perhaps that you know a GP might be aware of looking out for that yeah they're just not looking for it oh my god that you is don't go to amazing. them looking for it yourself mm. necessarily un- until you do obviously <laughs> and they're not really necessarily equipped to spot it when they're not looking for it either so it mm. kind of makes sense why it was a kind of thing where I'd had that conversation with a therapist that I used to see for example and I would kind of was talking to them and like I was on antidepressants at the time and I was seeing a therapist and I remember so distinctly so many times having the conversation and kind of saying I feel better than I did as in you know I was in a really bad place when maybe I went on the antidepressants I feel better than that I feel less sad mm. something just doesn't feel right like there's right. a lot of this that I was expecting to get easier and it hasn't. There's still so much stuff that feels really hard and I don't understand why. Like, is it, are these antidepressants just not working for me properly? And then you end up like, they put you on another one to supplement it and maybe it's more anxiety, put you on an anti-anxiety thing as well. And like, I personally tried so many different things and like different medications and combinations of medication and it was just still always there. It really is that kind of like missing puzzle piece that's made so much more things make sense for me. Yeah. Do you mind me asking, has it helped with the depression and the anxiety having had the diagnosis? I think yes, but equally it's been a year since I got the ADHD diagnosis. So, and as you say, these things can be quite hard to judge because depression, especially for me, I find is something that's quite cyclical in nature. So... The difficulty, I think, comes in because so many of these things do interconnect. Mm. And I've seen people talking about getting diagnosed with ADHD and then looking back and saying, "Okay, I was misdiagnosed with depression and anxiety, which I completely understand. I have to say I haven't kind of overthought it Mm. for myself so far, because I think personally for me, it was still depression, even if, you know, one of the underlying causes for that depression was the ADHD and the things that I was, you know, feeling like I wasn't coping properly and like being really hard on myself and like all of all of those things that are hard. But I think it's 
complicated. Very much so. And also I wanted to touch on diagnosis in general and and your point there about, you know, ADHD symptoms are really sort of tested on like young boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, because when I was doing my research, it was a case of at the minute, the, the current research available out there, like the clinical medical research, mm-hmm. suggests only that you have ADHD from childhood. Yeah. So you don't develop it as an adult. You've always had it but you could be diagnosed with it, but it's something you would have had in childhood. Yeah, I definitely came across that as well. And it is, I think it's true, definitely for whatever the guidelines are that the UK at least uses at the moment, you know, their written belief is that it is a lifelong thing and it has to have been present in childhood for you to be diagnosed. So I did the same thing, like as part of my mom, please. Yeah, as part of as part of, you know, like the diagnosis thing. So you I'm sure it's slightly different with with different doctors and whatever. But you know, I was filling in these kind of like surveys and questionnaires. Like I sent my mum a questionnaire as well. I spoke to her a lot about it and kind of part of the guideline kind of conversation and sort of boxes that you go through and talk about there's different points and you talk about them for you as a child and for you as an adult okay so for me there were enough things that were picked up also from childhood that I right. could be officially diagnosed however if I would have just you know looked back and thought about myself at school as a child I never ever would have thought that child has ADHD at all. I was not hyperactive. I mean, I'm still not particularly hyperactive. I'd say I'm like an ADD inattentive type person. Anyone who's gone into the research, you will have already come across this (laughs) term. Um, I'm way more inattentive than I am hyperactive, even though I have the like, my feet are always moving, like I'm always messing with my fingers and like writing in the air and like doing all these like, you know, little fidgety things. I'm definitely not someone who you would consider a hyperactive person, I don't think. I think if you asked any of my friends, they would be like, no, no friend, you, you like really sitting chilled. down like a lot. Yeah, <laughs> We'll be friends. Me, you and Lottie, we'll just all hang out and do nothing. Yeah, we'll just yeah. be there, we'll just be there watching telly. With your weighted blankets. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Never snacks. moving again, just yeah. casually twitching our feet. And they'll be me would in the corner be and be like, can we please talk? Can we please, can we please all yell and scream, please? <laughs> so yeah, there were, there were enough things, but, it's, but it was also things that, you might not have necessarily looked at, um, which again is why it can be harder for women. So it would be things like tidying my room, for example, as a child, like which is just one example of tasks, but I kind of wouldn't stay on task unless right. someone was in the room. That's something that can also be mirrored in adulthood. And I think it's something that as an adult, you have so many more options to kind of naturally try and deal with it and sort of mitigate those circumstances. So I know something that a lot of people do is what you would call body doubling now, which is kind of kind of parallel play as you as as children would do. So kind of like if you need to get something done, mm. you do that thing in the same room with another person. Even if they're not working on it with you, the fact that someone else is in the room and can see if you are suddenly on your phone scrolling or you've got up and wandered off to do something else or maybe you got up to get a glass of water but then you realise the dishwasher needs to be unloaded and then you realise that actually that's quite a lot of dust on those curtains and actually where is that duster and did I put that load of washing on? Is it in the wash? And all these kind of things of like you get carried away with something else. You'll know if you're that kind of person who needs somebody in the room and kind mm. of near you to get something done. It's quite instinctive. But I know people do that online now. And I think that's, again, the kind of thing where the tech 
that we can use now. That How do I do it online? Do I just have like my friend on FaceTime? Yeah, you can. Yeah, friend on FaceTime. I've definitely done that before and like had my friend on FaceTime kind of in the corner while we were both separately working in different places. But pe- people also run groups idea. for it now and people who wow. are in that kind of like neurodivergent community. Mm. I know people run kind of body doubling sessions. So you literally sign on to a Zoom and there could be like 20, 30 people who you no, don't know and you've never met and you're all doing separate work. But for some people, it really helps. Like, yeah. and I love that kind of thing. I'd like to take a minute and use this ad break to talk about sex, baby. Let's talk, Let's about, talk about you, you and me. me. Sounded very serious when you started that conversation. I was like, oh my God, am I in trouble? I'm glad I'm not in trouble. Let's just say that. <laughs> You're definitely not in trouble. And I want to recommend today's sponsor, Rome. So Rome is an LGBTQ plus founded sex care brand that is all about breaking the stigma around buying these products. They sell lube, oil, condoms and even sex toys. None of the products are gendered and there's braille on the packaging for anyone who's visually impaired. The packaging is also really cute, which can be quite rare for sex products. And the wand doesn't make too much noise, even though it's very powerful. So for everyone listening, sex doesn't just have to be with somebody else. After all, you know your body the best and you might even have a better orgasm doing it yourself anyway. So to get 20% off of all Rome products, head to explorerome.com and use love at the checkout. So that's explore roam.com and code love for 20% off the whole site I know like lots of people are talking about it online I, I'm sure you follow Alex Light and yeah. we love her and her podcast and uh, Lottie Drynan also who's a friend of mine she also has like you know spoken more openly about her ADHD diagnosis it sounds like it can be quite exhausting Oh my God, so exhausting. Sometimes it feels like your brain's running at 100 miles an hour, Mm. which makes it hard to focus on other things. And also just sometimes, you know, you get to the end of the day and it's been running at 100 miles an hour earlier. Therefore, now you've got nothing. Like I feel like that's something I end up saying quite a lot is like, I've got nothing left in the tank. Like the mental tank is empty. I'm done. Yeah. I always like, I quite often envision it as like, I would really like to remove my brain (laughs) from my skull, run it under a cold tap and then put it back in again. Like that's how it feels. I love that. The whole thing of like, think of like a plunge pool, like hop in a cold shower kind of vibe as in like, I just need everything to just shh for a little bit. Like that's, that's how it feels a lot of the time. Yeah. So in terms of like coping strategies, because obviously, like you said, it is something that is neurodivergent. How do you cope with it day to day? Like other coping strategies, would you recommend therapy, medication? The first thing I tried was medication. And I had a bit of a journey. I know you hate that word. (laughs) Bit um, Bit of a medication journey in terms of I was a little bit hesitant because I've been on a lot of different mental health medications before. Not that that's a bad thing at all. However, it's a bit of an undertaking at times. And the experience that I'd had, you know, especially if it's something like antidepressants, for example. So the thing about those is you don't just, you know, start taking them on a Tuesday, feel better on a Wednesday. Mm. It's very much there's like an intro period. You might feel a bit worse before you feel better. If you then, for whatever reason in the future, want to get off them, you can't just stop taking them. It's a whole thing. Don't do that. Try yeah, it. Yeah, don't do that. Did I not work out well also for me. did that a couple of times because sometimes remembering to take medication when you've got ADHD is really hard. So yeah, there were definitely hurdles that I had in my mind about it. Most of the time for ADHD, that's not true. So that's a good thing. As in, it's a very different type of medication most of the you know the first line medications that you would try it's the kind of thing where 
you take it and it starts working in 20 minutes an hour depending on what what exactly oh, you're wow. taking and then it wears off at the end of the day and then you're kind of done right that's very simplified again mm. i'm i'm not saying this as a medical person of but course. it's a much shorter term shorter acting kind of medication so that was very different there are some people and a lot of people who you know the first medication they try a lot of people say this is literally like fog lifting and clouds clearing and it's suddenly like oh my god this is amazing Mm -hmm. and that was kind of what happened to me right at the very beginning the first I think day or couple of days it was really quite amazing and I was just walking around my house doing tasks that I had been putting off for like three or four years and like tidying things and was on a bit of a was almost quite overwhelming like to the point to the point where I was kind of like walking around and being like right okay we're ticking things off we're doing things and I but then would move to something else and find another half done task it's kind of it's very much a tool the medication okay and it's learning to use it properly as well because it's learning where you put that attention so if you suddenly take a medication that allows you to focus but you take that medication and then go and start doing a craft project or just something else that you're not supposed to be doing but if you take that medication and then go and start watching a box set you might just get really focused on the box set and not not be able to do something else so it's all a bit of a learning curve I found for me that the effects of it kind of wore off a little bit or I got used to it and the difficulty that I've had me going into my personal medical history is that the dosage that I needed to take in order to kind of get the focus gave me side effects that I didn't really like I'd get quite sweaty like I felt like my heart was racing quite fast because it's kind of a a stimulant sort of medication Mm. I don't want to put something irresponsible on people but I really struggled with losing my appetite on some of that medication like in a way that was not good like Mm -hmm. I love food love eating and I just kind of felt a bit sick and not hungry all the time and it was Mm. really unpleasant it's definitely been a bit up and down for me and then I've tried a different medication and that didn't work for me at all and I only had the side effects and I think I did about a week in the end but it was the case that like I would take it in the morning and then kind of just sit on the sofa like white knuckling it through waiting for it to wear off at the end of the day like it was it was really awful 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 (laughs) but I'm always quite conscious of these kinds of things like that is one very personal experience and I've spoken to, to other people who've had the complete opposite reactions to me on the Mm. same medication so like it's such an individual personal thing so what I don't want to do if anyone's listening to this and is thinking like oh I want to try medication don't be put off by Mm. what I've just said because I am one person so many people it works amazingly for however saying that at this time I'm not taking ADHD medication and I still have found that having the diagnosis has been a really helpful thing for me I think there probably will be points in the future where I'll try different things and like hopefully find a combination that works really well for me. But I just got a bit tired and I'm having a rest in that process, to be quite honest, because for me, mentally, I was like, do you know what? Yes, I could probably chase this down harder. Right now, I'm not going to because I feel better about that at this point. That might change at some other point, but I'm kind of just letting myself at this point I think that's good because everything you've just spoken about with ADHD it's been in like as you just said in the last year that's a ton yeah so you've done like a, a ton in the last year I think it's fine to give your whole life that like a bit of a break yeah and I mean that that in itself is 
tiring and it's also like it's a lot of admin to do and kind of like (laughs) it's just so much (laughs) I know and when you're already kind of like struggling to keep up with admin in the first place it just feels like a lot and I just wanted Mm. to take it off my own plate and see how I felt with just the diagnosis for a bit yeah because yeah it is a lot and also I very fortunately was in the position that I ended up going private to get that diagnosis and the psychiatrist that I was getting my prescriptions from, for example. So like, it's expensive. Mm. And the reason why I kind of pushed ahead and did that, luckily, was because... So I was first referred by an NHS GP. My friend had sent me sent me these stories and been like, this really sounds like you. And I'd done hours and hours of research about it. And I'd been kind of like sitting on that information for like nearly a year, I think it was. That it had kind of been going around in my head. And I've been thinking, you know, is this true? Is this me? Is this really a thing? So I decided that I was going to make a GP's appointment kind of to tick it off my list because I genuinely thought that I was going to ring up and speak to them and be like, um, I think maybe I might have ADHD. And they were going to be like, no, you don't. You're wasting our time. Goodbye. Like that's genuinely what I thought was going to happen. And that wasn't what happened. (laughs) I spoke to the GP and she was like, okay, and asked me a bunch of questions and then was like, yep, I'm going to refer you to be further assessed, basically. Mm. And then because the NHS is having a really tough time, I had to chase and go backwards and forwards because things got lost and kind of mishandled. And then it took about three or four months before I then got a letter that said, I was in a waiting list that was about 14 months long and that was the waiting list to be assessed by the local funding panel to see if they would approve you going on the list to get a diagnosis. God, so what, keeping you in limbo? Yeah. yeah. So, and I know a lot of people obviously wouldn't be in the position to then go, oh my God, I can't wonder about this any longer. But luckily... I was in that position. So that's what I did. I was Mm -hmm. like, the first thing I did was call up and cancel my NHS appointment place in the queue that was 14 months away because I was like, someone else needs this and they're waiting even longer than I am. And then I started looking into, yeah, speaking to someone privately. So you mentioned earlier that the diagnosis has has helped you understand your brain and how it works uh, more and be more empathetic to yourself, which Mm -hmm. I think is wonderful. I wonder like, what about the reaction like family and friends have had? Has it also helped them to understand you more? And has it then kind of improved your relationships? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, when I got that diagnosis, I'd obviously I'd spoken to my mum a bit about it before because I spoke to her as part of the process of getting diagnosed. But yeah, when it kind of was official, I sort of crafted like quite a long text to <laughs> family members and was like, OK, so just so you know, these are some things I've been struggling with this is what happened next, this is what happened next, this is the outcome, kind of, I have ADHD, this is how I feel about it. Because I think that's kind of quite important as well. I've learned this from a lot of mental health conversations is that a lot of people don't know how to react to something like that. And I think that's completely fair. Like, Mm. I mean, it's hard conversations anyway, but if if you're going to someone and saying, hi, I've got ADHD and they don't know much about ADHD, they don't know whether to kind of say like, sorry yeah. <laughs> or like, are you okay or like do yeah. you do you need support kind of thing like mm. people don't necessarily know what to say so I tacked on the end of it like this is how I'm feeling about it but yeah my family were really supportive like my mum sent me flowers <laughs> I read and that was like oh, yeah congratulations nice. yeah it was so that was really nice and yeah other people as, as well cute. in my family were like I'm like really proud of you I'm really happy for you because 
you know, it's obviously a thing that I've stressed over for a long time and mm. then have pursued and kind of getting an answer. It does, I think, feel like a thing that's like, it's, congratulations felt appropriate to me in that mm. time. So that was great. And yeah, I think in relationships with other people, it's also helped because a lot of the stuff that has also made me feel really horrible about myself over the years is like keeping in touch with people I find really hard like I'm a big as soon as I get a bit stressed I'm a big kind of like text avoidance person I forget to call people back I find maintaining like the actual upkeep of friendships quite difficult sometimes which feels like a horrible thing to say but is is true mm. so, um, of admin. <laughs> so yeah I, I, you know I'd spent spent a lot of a lot of my life being like I'm a really shit friend like that's so awful and I wish I wasn't like that and it's kind of just it's given me more vocabulary to be able to like talk honestly with people I'm in any sort of relationship with and kind of even like work-wise as well Mm. I found it really handy because you know I work for myself as it were but I work with people like in my team and stuff and I felt like they're always you know having to chase me for things because I forget stuff and like I make to-do list after to-do list and then never look at the list again. Like, and that's that's a very common thing also. So like being able to, yeah, have the kind of vocab and have those conversations and say, this is why I struggle with this thing. Mm. This is something I would like to try to kind of accommodate that. It's way easier to kind of have those conversations professionally and kind of get people on board and like people have been really supportive. So I'll people will put like extra reminders in the calendar for me (laughs) which is really helpful I remember yeah the first time Izzy who I work with put like an extra reminder to do a task in our kind of like shared calendar for work and then kind of messaged me and was like sorry I hope I hope that's like okay like is that is that like rude or like is that I'm I'm not trying to assume that you're not going to do it and I was like oh babe 100% I was going to forget to do it like you know this by now so like that's the really nice kind of stuff that I think being open about it as well it's not it's not necessarily like you have to go to people you work with and kind of say like, oh, this, I'm, I'm so sorry that I have this thing. Yeah. This is, you know, it's, oh, it's such a such a burden, such difficulty. It can be like, hey, so now I understand how my brain works a bit more. And I'm kind of aware that I'm, you know, I might struggle to remember this or struggle to keep on top of it. I'm going to start using this app for my to-do lists. Do you want, you know, an invite to that calendar? Or if you send me an important email, can you also follow up with a text and say, I've just sent you an email? Because I'm more likely to see that. Like it can it can mm. be like the smallest things, but those I find really helpful. And yeah, I think in all kind of aspects and areas, just having the knowledge and the information has been a really helpful thing for me. I love that so much. And I love your like the text. Maybe draft those texts to your friends and family if you need to about whatever it might be and get ready to receive some lovely support back. Yeah. And I mean, I I know that also, you know, I'm very lucky that my family is really supportive and like are open to, you know, I mean, I've talked about mental health for years. Like we're we're open to talking about those kind of things. I know that's not true for everyone. Yeah. And equally, you know, there'll be people who might mention something to their friends or colleagues and they 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 just aren't as aware mm. and sometimes people are ignorant and not willing to learn yeah like some, we also have to confront that reality yeah that's true yeah, yeah sure. some people just be like oh you're a snowflake or you're jumping on the bandwagon and that's not helpful that's not everyone not has helpful. that support it's really not but also you know i think that's where you have to come back to being empowered in the knowledge that you have mm. like if you are dealing with something and it's you know there's a lot of things like if it's an illness if it's an identity like you know that about yourself by the time you've got to the stage that you're talking about it to other people Mm. 
you've thought about it a lot yourself. You're not making it up. You're not, you know, you haven't just decided it on a whim. It's something that's important enough to you that you've decided to talk about it to them. And that's great. And I hope that everybody gets, you know, the respect and support back that they deserve. But you don't always get that from everyone. And I think being kind of trying to keep that security in yourself and knowing that, you know, just because they've taken it badly, that's on them. That's not on you. Mm -hmm. You haven't done anything wrong in sharing that part of yourself with them. But there are also, you know, there's lots of other places and other people who will understand it better if they don't. And that's, again, coming like all the way back around to kind of where social media and communities and podcasts and things can be so helpful with that is because even if the immediate people in your life don't get it or don't immediately get it because you've got to give them a bit of time to catch up and you know maybe send them a couple of articles about mm. oh yeah you know, links this is how ADHD idea. affects adult women you know this is how this particular thing might manifest this is you know a bit of a fact sheet on this condition sort of thing you do have to be aware that you know that they're not going to catch up at lightning speed on all the research that you've done for months kind of thing but in the meantime, or if they never come around to that point, there are so many other people out there who understand you and are willing to listen to you. And there's so much like really helpful and relatable content out there that hopefully you'll be able to find that kind of like slice of community that will give you the support that you need. Speaking of uh, support and resources, we are going to put some links in the episode description. So do check those out. And we'll also share some bits on socials as well. Gemma, thank you oh so my God. much. Thank you. Honestly, it's been so interesting. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank Thanks. you for being so open and vulnerable and honest as well. As well. I really appreciate it. And it's not lost on us that, that sometimes that's really hard to do. Oh, yeah. So thank <laughs> you. Oh, well, I've just gone for it today, haven't I? So there we go. I, I, hope, it. I hope it does help someone else. Otherwise, you know, thanks for, thanks for listening to my TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for a word from today's sponsor, BetterHelp. It can take a really long time and it can be difficult to get to know yourself because we're always growing and changing. I feel like me and Lauren have have changed massively, even just since starting this podcast. Uh, but getting to know yourself is a crucial part of learning to love ourselves. So it's something that we are really passionate about and something we're always championing. And if it's something that you want to work towards too, we'd really recommend therapy. And you know we recommend that because sometimes we don't always know what we want or why we react the way we do to things until we talk through things. So therapy can be a really great way to improve your self-awareness and Laura and I have spoken so often about how therapy has helped us both and one of the main things it's done for me is help me understand why I react in certain ways to certain things and then also how to manage that going forward and it has been a game changer yeah and it's been absolutely brilliant for me too I have to say if you're thinking of trying therapy better help is a fantastic option because it's convenient accessible affordable and it's completely online it's also really easy you get matched with your own therapist after filling out a short survey and you can switch therapists anytime which I think is an absolutely brilliant feature because it is so important that you find the right person for you and someone that you really connect with and can trust if you'd like to try it out head to betterhelp.com slash go love to get 10% off your first month so that's better help.com slash go love to get 10% off your first month 
I just loved recording that episode. I thought it was so interesting. So a massive thank you for Gemma for coming along and teaching me stuff that I just did not know. Yeah, same. I learned so much and I really appreciate Gemma's openness and vulnerability. So if you are kind of struggling with uh, ADHD or you think it's something you might have, hopefully it's helped you as well. In other news, I saw a really great post in the Facebook group this week that I wanted to share with you. So Lizzie, I thought I was reading Lizzo there and I got excited. Sorry, Lizzie. Um, <laughs> still love you you're still great so lizzie posted some of her wins of the week um which i I think it's a great idea we should all start doing this so she says number one i've started dopamine dressing recently if you don't know what dopamine dressing is it's basically color like dressing with loads of color to kind of boost your dopamine (laughs) there we go (laughs) to make you feel happier and smilier and sunshine that's literally dopamine dressing is basically dressing for dopamine (laughs) well done laura (laughs) put that in the oxford dictionary (laughs) oh my god okay anyway (laughs) she started dopamine dressing because she says my size doesn't magically change if i wear colorful clothing instead of black and flattering is totally made up it's 100 down to the podcast that i've realized that at 30 but the next 30 years you're going to see a lot more color on me I know I love that isn't that brilliant uh, she's got more so Ooh. number two she says I bought this colourful patterned fleece from ASOS Men's I saw it I liked it and that was the whole process so there was a slight wobble when it arrived yesterday when I thought I looked like a marshmallow but ultimately who doesn't like marshmallows boring people that. that's who I think that's great and then as if that wasn't enough a total stranger made a point to say I love your jacket it's super cute to me today on its first ever outing dopamine dressing for the win yes, yes Lizzie uh, absolutely love I that I love this so much and I think complimenting people's clothes right I was I literally have a conversation with somebody yesterday about complimenting people's clothes if you see somebody that you like their outfit or you think they look lovely tell them right it is absolutely it can make somebody's day and you're very I, good at that aren't you I, and I genuinely and I'm never saying it for funsies I will always be very genuine but I will go out of my way to tell somebody so at an event recently I saw someone literally she caught my eye across the room and I went up to her and I was like I just got to say I think you look fantastic your dress is beautiful and we had like a 10 minute chat and it was just lo- and I've got a new best friend and it was like <laughs> one of those people she was just sun- like sunshine inside and out and that all came from me going I like your dress and that can make someone's day. Yeah, it really definitely can. And I think there's a lesson in there for all of us as well to do a bit more dopamine dressing rather than, you know, wear black if you want to wear black. We oh, all yeah. have a little black dress, definitely. But um, I do think dopamine dressing has a really big impact on on mood. I am finding this time of year quite difficult because I feel like I'm waiting for spring and I'm getting impatient and I'm still wearing like my kind of dark jumpers and leggings and stuff. And I really want to get into my kind of brighter spring clothes. The only thing stopping me is me. I can wear those clothes and I'll feel better. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and do that for the week and i think this is your sign to do that as well if you're listening hell yes so thank you so much for listening everyone we really hope you found it interesting i certainly did and if you ever want to get in touch with us you can email golove at crowdnetwork.co.uk and if you want more of us before our next episode you can check out our facebook group go love yourself community or our instagram at go love yourself pod you can also support the show by subscribing on patreon or apple Podcasts, where you can get ad free and early episodes for one pound a week or you can listen ad free on amazon music and don't forget to check out our brand new YouTube channel. Just search for Go Love Yourself Podcast or click the link in the episode description. Thank you so much for listening once again and we'll see you next week. Bye! Crowd Network. A place 
where you belong. <laughs>